Insurance and Injury Law Show, the number 416-216-5910 and help at the insurance lawyer. .ca. We'll get to the injury calculator, an amazing little tool this is. If you have not used it, you can go to it right now at uh, injurycalculator.ca to check it out as we as we speak. A lot of things to cover today as it's uh, that time of the year, slips and falls, car accidents, snow, bad weather. And, uh, the insurance company is going to be wrapped up and embroiled in this as well. But we will get to all that. But first, we start with the uh, the week that was, pal. The all week right? that was, John. Yeah, I'm good. good. Uh, glad to see you. And uh, to our listeners out there, this is uh, a fantastic segment that we're going to have here today because we're going to talk about both long-term disability which I've been getting more and more people Mm -hmm. contacting me about, uh, as well as the typical things we see uh, in the winter, slips and falls on ice, uh, car accidents, people skidding, things like that. What do you do when there is an accident? Uh, What do you do in terms of dealing with your doctor, with your employer, uh, with the insurance company, of course? Uh, so, So let's delve right in and talk about a few interesting cases that came across my desk. So this was uh, a question that I'm going to read out to you uh, that was submitted to mydisabilityquestions.com, this phenomenal website where I get these questions emailed to me and I answer them Very within cool. minutes for free. Uh, so the question is this, and this came from Rob in Oakville. I have a torn Achilles tendon and my claim form was incorrectly filled out. I have been denied LTD, which is long-term disability benefits, uh, uh, which uh, in my case, LTD is if I were away from work over 20 day, 120 days. Mm-hmm. Now, he says, they base their decision on the fact that the claim form was filled incorrectly. I have appealed, as they said I can, right? They invited him to appeal, uh, and they are stringing me along. Uh, I can't walk, and my leg is half the size of my other leg. Wow. I don't know why, but that's the situation. Atrophy, I guess, or something? Something, yeah. yeah. Obviously, there's a medical issue here, a severe medical issue. They say I can work still. By they, he means the insurance company, based uh, on uh, a a full recovery. I guess they're expecting him to fully recover. He says, my savings are squandered. My debt is getting worse. My wife is resentful, and it's strained our family life. Mm -hmm. Do I have a case? And this is a question, just that that simple question, do I have a case, is something I get all the time because people get denied uh, or cut off long-term disability and they just want to know, do I have a For case, sure. right? You keep saying, Sivan, on the air that all these people who are calling you, they have cases, despite the fact that insurance companies cut them off and deny disability. So uh, the answer is, is really quite simple. If you were covered for long-term disability, if you had coverage at the time that your disability arose, right. okay? I mean, you have to have that coverage. Otherwise, if you don't have that coverage, you can't apply for it. So if you had that coverage, and if you have uh, doctors or a doctor supporting your disability, they've written a letter, a report, something of that sort to the insurance company stating why it is that you cannot work, you can't do your job, or you can't do any other job, depending on you know, if you're beyond the two years right. or, or not of LTD. If you have that support from your medical professional and you have coverage, then on its face, you should be uh, receiving LTD. You should be receiving disability benefits. In this case, what Rob is referring to when he says his claim form was filled incorrectly, I don't know what that means, but I can tell you as a side note on that issue that insurance company will oftentimes uh, cling to technicalities. They will try and use technicalities to deny a claim. It's not unusual. These technicalities are almost never fatal to a claim, meaning that if the insurance company says to you, you know, you did this wrong on your form, oftentimes that's this is what I call technicality, okay? You can't hang your hat, insurance company, on this and say right. this person is now barred from making this insurance claim. Uh, because oftentimes, you know, these are ordinary people filling these out. People are not going to lawyers for the purpose of having a lawyer help them fill out the forms. 
And, and some of these forms are not that simple to fill out. Uh, so, you know, my, my advice to Rob is, you know, d- don't back down. Send me the form that you have sent into the insurance company. Let me see the medical reports or report you gave the insurance company about your disability. And within a few minutes, I will tell you if you have a case or not. And then what you choose to do with that information is up to you. Now, I do want to focus on one sentence in his question. He says, I have appealed as they said I can, and they are stringing me along. How many times, John, have we talked about this, that the insurance company is denying a claim or cutting you off disability after paying you for a certain time, and at the same time, in the same breath, they are inviting you to appeal that decision? Do not appeal these decisions. If you do, it's at your peril, because at the end of the day, the majority of these uh, appeals, from my experience, exactly what they do, they string you along. If they've cut you off or denied your claim, it's because they've made up their mind. If you want to go and try to change their mind, good luck to you. But in most cases, you're just going to be basically wasting months and months and months of time only to come to the realization that you should have come to me and called me or emailed me in the first place so I can tell you what to do next. And they're buying time, right? In the insurance companies? Yeah. Well, they're buying time, but they're also hoping that you're going to just go away. They're yeah. hoping well, you're going to give up. I appeal that they denied it, so I guess I'm done. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. And sometimes they'll, you know, so, so they'll deny your first level of appeal, the first appeal you make, and then they'll say, well, you can appeal a second time. Oh, John, you can appeal a third time. And by, by, you know, by the time a year has passed, your, your resources have been depleted. In Rob's case, his wife is resentful. I'm not surprised. It's frustrating. And remember, throughout this entire time, you're trying to get better. You're trying to focus on your health, mental, physical. You're stressed out. And they understand that. And, you know, it's unfair. But I think many insurance companies, many adjusters capitalize on that. And they use that against you, which is why you need somebody there in your corner to fight the fight for you so that you can focus on your health. And me, the lawyer who deals with this thing, these things on a daily basis, I can deal with the insurance company on your behalf. They must bank a lot of money just doing that, just playing the odds, and nine, nine out of ten people will either not bother appealing or will appeal on their own. doesn't work, and they go away. It's exactly what happens. Right. It's a brilliant model if you think yeah. about it, because at the end of the day, there is a ton of money left over for the insurance company, right. money that's rightfully owed to the individuals who have paid into it, or maybe their employers have paid into it. It doesn't matter. The point is it's a safety net that they can't access for a technicality or simply because the insurance company is just not honoring their obligations under the policy. We'll take a, a short one. Lots more to go here. The number 416-216-5910. Anytime. An email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's Talk Radio AM 640. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We're right in the middle of the week. That was. What else you got going on? Okay. So here's another LTD case. This mm-hmm. is interesting. This is a lady that I'm helping with... Uh, helping her her right now yeah. uh, literally deal with this uh, disability situation. Uh, so uh, she's been off work since 2015 on maternity leave. She was supposed to go back to work uh, May of 2016, but okay. she had injured herself uh, in March. Uh, she is in her 40s, and uh, she works for the Board of Education. So I'm not going to give you a lot more information, mm-hmm. uh, just not to identify her. But what, what she wrote to us, essentially, is she says... Uh, What did she say here? She said, I was unable to return to work and have been using my sick days. The school board advised me to fill out a long-term disability package. Great. She did that. Uh, She sends it off to the insurance company, and she gets declined. Mm -hmm. The insurance company says that she didn't have coverage during that time, which is, of course, odd uh, because the board was paying into this coverage. So remember I said, if you want to know if you should be getting LTD, Well, you have to know if you have coverage and if you have medical support. Well, in this case, the insurance company says you did not have coverage because it wasn't being paid. 
So then she goes to the school board, and of course they say, no, it was a clerical error, it was an administrative error. They go back to the insurance company. Insurance company no longer uses that as an excuse. Now they say to her, oh, okay, seems like there was an error here. You do have coverage, but guess what? We've reviewed your medical documents, and we don't think that you qualify with the medical documentation that you submitted. And I'm not going to go into all her issues, but she has some serious issues that, in my opinion, would absolutely entitle her to LTD. But the reason I'm bringing this case up is because it's very interesting and it's very telling. Insurance company says, first of all, John, I'm not going to honor the policy because there is no policy because it wasn't even paid into it. And then when that's no longer an excuse because that's been sorted out, now I'm looking at your medical documents, and guess what? Based on those documents, I'm still not going to pay you. This is the reason. Exactly. I mean, why not just say, here are all the reasons why we're not paying you? Why go from one excuse to the next to the next? So what I offered to do for her, I said, listen, no charge. This is just crazy. I was speaking with her on the phone, and I said, you know, I I never cease to be amazed at how insurance companies conduct themselves. And and by the way, uh, to give credit where credit is due, some adjusters and some insurers can be great, okay? Some of them really deal fairly with individuals uh, that- Hey, you work for them. I work for them, exactly. And I have friends who work in the insurance industry, but a lot of these cases just, in my view, stink of inequities. Uh, So in any event, I I suggested to this lady that, you know, send me the denial letters, send me the medical documentation, that support your disability, and let me deal with the adjuster for you at no charge. Let me email that adjuster, uh, which is what I'm going to be doing because I just now receive all the documentation. Mm -hmm. And let's see what happens. If I can get you approved, then Bob's your uncle. You're getting this disability uh, money. You don't owe me anything. It would have taken me a few minutes out of my day to review this stuff and to send this on your behalf. If they still deny your claim, at that point, I'll present you with your options. And your option is going to be to start a claim. And I'm almost guaranteeing you, I will never say that I guarantee, nothing is guaranteed in life, but I am almost guaranteeing you based on all of my experience. They're going to deny that. No, that this insurance company eventually will pay out. Because she had coverage and the medical documentation that I've reviewed support her claim for disability. I don't see any reason why the insurance company is not paying her. So again, for people out there, if you are denied or cut off long-term disability and you feel that that was wrong because you had coverage and because you have medical support for your disability, come to me. Talk to me. Send me the documentation. Let me review it. I will tell you within minutes what your options are. How you want to deal with that information? Do you want me to deal with the insurance company for you? Do you want to try and deal with them uh, by yourself? That's up to you. But at least let me take a look at it and tell you what I think. And at least that way you'll know what your options are with the insurance company. Is it sometimes just enough to get that letter uh, with your letterhead on it to get them moving and off yes. the rear ends to get it? Yeah, It does. It does. And, and, you know, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. It really depends on the adjuster. It depends on whoever's receiving this information. Right. Uh, and by the way, I'm not appealing any of these decisions. I'm simply giving them a deadline. I'm sending them an email with the attached documentation that I think is relevant. I outline in my email why I think that their decision, the insurance company's decision, is wrong and I give them a hard deadline. I tell them, you have until this date to confirm right. to they me to. and this person that they are going to be put back on disability or going to be approved for disability. And if you don't, I'm going to instruct this person, I'm going to tell this person that they have a right to make a claim against you. And so, you know, the insurance company can't really get away from anything. I mean, if they don't respond, the deadline passes, I'm going to tell this individual, you can start a claim. 
If they respond back saying, oh, we still think that uh, our decision is correct, to deny, we start a claim. If they approve, well, then what have you lost? I haven't charged you anything for this. I've helped you out. I'm, I'm happy about that. Okay, it's great. You know, you have friends, you have family members, people who may need my services in the future. You'll tell them about me. Spread so it's the word. great. Yeah. Spread the word, exactly. But at the same time, I've done something good and I'm happy about that. Do they legal? does the insurance company, once they get that letter, now they're on a, a clock, do they have to respond to you? They don't have to respond. But what I, what I tell them when I write to them is that uh, if you don't respond, I will take that as a negative. Right. I will take that as a no. And by the way, John, sometimes insurance companies have responded to me saying, we need a little bit more time. Right. And that's okay. I have no problem as long as dialogue is started. Yeah. If they tell me, listen, I need one more week. I got to speak with the manager. Done. I have to have a doctor review this. That's fine. I'll tell the person that I'm helping, give them some more time. I think they've had enough time, but give them some more time. Uh, as long as they don't tell me we need six months because that's unreasonable. Yeah. So if they want another week, two weeks, okay, maybe, depending on the circumstances. If they don't respond, what have you lost? At least I can tell you again what your options are, and then you can choose what you want to do. 416-216-5910 is that number anytime, and it is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. If you haven't checked out the Injury Calculator, which we'll get to very shortly, that is injurycalculator.ca as well. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's right here, Talk Radio, AM 640. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. That is the email to get a hold of Savannah, the firm. Any time or during the week that was running through some cases that uh, you've been working on and are of interest to anybody listening, of course, and anybody that's thinking of calling you and you know getting your services happening, what it's all about. What do you got now? All right. Let's talk about a slip and fall. This is interesting as well. This is an individual uh, that slipped and fell on December 18th, so just a few days ago, mm-hmm. uh, at his mother's housing complex. So, so this is a condominium type of a complex with houses, and they're all part of this uh, Condo complex, basically, that has a management company, winter maintenance contracting, etc. Now, he was walking to his uh, to the parking spot where he parked his car when he slipped on a, on, on a patch of ice. Uh, he injured his back and his hip, uh, has a doctor's appointment scheduled already uh, for x-rays. And, and so I'm in dialogue with him to figure out what is the extent of his injuries. He's in his 40s. He's self-employed, owns a whole bunch of properties, um, owns, I think, a, a pizza place. Uh, really nice guy when yep. I spoke with him. And, and here's why I want to mention this case. Uh, because whenever you have a slip and fall case, I know we've hammered this point uh, till the end of times, John, but the idea of taking photos... So many times people call me and they have not taken photos. This yeah. individual, this guy is smart. He was able, he did, he took photos not only the day of the incident, but subsequently on other days to show that not only that day no one maintained the area, but, you know, even day two, day three, day four, day, subsequently nothing was done. And when you look at these photos, my God, this is a parking lot uh, of, of a condo complex where you have people who are young, people who are old. Uh, and I, I'm telling you, John, snow absolutely everywhere, ice everywhere. Yeah. Listen, I understand it's winter. Everyone understands you're going to have snow and ice, but you also have some expectation that there's going to be some reasonable maintenance that is undertaken, especially when you're dealing with a condo complex, right? You're paying fees. Totally. So in, in this case, I can tell you right now, the photos that he took, that's his case. Aside from obviously the injuries he suffered, that will make the case. And the problem when you don't have photographs is then it becomes a he said, she said. 
Then we're looking at the records of the winter maintenance company to see when they came, right. when did they put salt down, when did they, you know, what does the contract for winter maintenance say? But no one really knows. I mean, we, we can look at the weather records, but no one really knows the actual state of the property. Fo- uh, uh, photos, these photos that he sent me, that's the case. There's no way that the condo corp, the maintenance company, that any of them can say that they did uh, what they had to do to make sure that the property was safe at the time. Yeah. Very, very important. I just I want to hammer that. If you slip and fall anywhere, take photos of what caused you to slip and fall, and not only of that you know half a meter area where you slipped. Uh, take photos generally of the place. Make sure that you know we can see generally how the property was maintained. Yeah. That it wasn't just this particular area, but it was really you know the majority of the parking lot or specific areas. And again, you know, if you're in a store and you slip and fall or trip and fall or some hazards, take some photos. If there's someone with you, get them to take photos. Yeah. Another point: sometimes when you uh, slip and fall or trip uh, in a store in a mall. Uh, Somebody is going to be calling for help. If it's not you, then perhaps it's a bystander. Someone is going to come from the store, from the mall, or from wherever it is you are, some person with authority, uh, either an employee, uh, a manager, manager, someone. They are likely going to create an incident report. Ask them to take photographs if you can't. Okay, because that's going to form part of the incident report, and that's going to come in handy when we assess your claim down the road. Without photos, it becomes your word against theirs. And like you've said so many times, especially in malls or parking lots, there could be a second, third, or fourth party involved with who's supposed to be responsible for that. That's so right. you got to dig, 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 right? Absolutely. It's exactly yeah. true. And the next case we're going to talk about, I'm going to actually mention that. All right. The next case is actually quite interesting and is unique. It's not a slip and fall. It's not a disability case. Uh, and I spoke to this individual this past week, mm-hmm. very, very nice man uh, who is in his 50s. And, and what happened was that uh, he, he was uh, in college. Uh, he, he retired from the business he had, and he decided that he wanted to go back to college uh, and, and become uh, a cook. And so uh, he, he works. Uh, it doesn't work, but he's in class, yep. and, he, and he's working you know, with, with his, his uh, uh, classmates, and they're cooking. And uh, he goes uh, and and deals with uh, with the stove that he's supposed to uh, to start. And long story short, uh, the stove explodes, literally in wow. his face. John, can you imagine that? Um, and by the way, I've taken these kinds of, of courses myself, and so I know these these uh, propane gas type stoves. I mean, these are serious serious oh, uh, uh, machines. And so, in any event, uh, he, he flies from that. I mean, it's a serious explosion. Uh, serious blast. Uh, and so when he ends up go- uh, coming home, uh, as a result of being disoriented and not being able to walk properly, he falls down the stairs, uh, injures his knee. Anyway, since that incident, he has had knee surgery and he suffered a concussion because of For the sure. blast. And this happened uh, almost two years ago. Now, here's the interesting part. Uh, he doesn't live in the GTA. He lives outside. And so what he's done is he's gone to a law firm, uh, lawyers that he knows. The problem yep. is that those lawyers don't specialize in An personal injury. Yeah. injury. They do everything, right? And I always warn against that. There's nothing wrong with going to, to you know, a lawyer that specializes in real estate if you are doing a real estate transaction. If you need a will done, you go to a lawyer that does wills and estates. If you have a personal injury, you go to a lawyer that specifically deals with personal injury. You don't go to somebody who does family law. And it seems like that's what's happened here. 
And so this this accident happens almost two years ago, and nothing has been done on this claim. Still, and this person went to the brain injury clinic, and he's still being treated. He has memory issues. Uh, he still has issues with his knee, although that's much better. But you know, and he's he certainly hasn't completed that that course, uh, and he's not at work. He's not working because of these injuries, very serious injuries. And I'm looking at the claim and asking questions, and nothing has been done here. So extremely, extremely important to make sure that when you are injured, you go to a lawyer uh, that deals with injury, that deals with disability, that understands the system, understands how to deal with insurance companies, and does not let the other side dictate the timeline. That your lawyer pushes the file forward, pushes the claim forward, because now that almost two years have elapsed, that's two years essentially that he's lost and and is not going to be added to the resolution of the claim. So extremely, extremely important. We'll take a uh, short break. 416-216-5910 is the number. The email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll bounce to an email. As soon as we uh, come back here, the Insurance Injury Law Show Talk Radio, AM640, 416-216-5910, and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Injury calculator, give me some deets. I love this tool. Yeah, it's an amazing tool. It's been used widely, and uh, it's just gaining in popularity. And what it is is uh, it's something we came up with and created a couple of years ago, uh, and it's a database of cases from across the country that allows you as a person accessing this tool uh, to input a few key pieces of information and, and, and figure out uh, what your injury is worth uh, from a dollar value standpoint for your pain and suffering. So let's say that uh, you're in a car accident and you suffer the back injury and you want to know, you know, does it make sense for me to start a claim for compensation? I wasn't at fault. The other side was charged, uh, let's say, for the accident and clearly they're at fault and I have difficulty working now, blah, blah, blah. I want to know what can I potentially be owed for my pain and suffering for right. this back injury. You go on this tool online, takes you literally 15, 20, 25 seconds to just click on some of the menus there. You're not identifying yourself. You're not putting your name or your number or anything. You're just saying, here's what had happened. Uh, here's how old I am. Has it affected my, my ability mm-hmm. to work? Uh, is it a back injury? If it is, is it a tear? Is it a fracture? What is it? Just give the calculator a little bit of information And then what it does is it runs through the database of cases that we've inputted into it. There's an algorithm there. And it spits out a range of potential damages you could be potentially owed if, in fact, you decided to start a claim for compensation. For just pain and suffering, though. Just pain and suffering. That's key. That's absolutely key. And, And, you know, you can have cases where the injury itself... Uh, will be worth, let's say, and I say worth very crudely, will be worth, let's say, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars for a particular injury. But your income losses that flow from the injury are significantly higher than that. And, and you know, the easiest example to use is, let's say, you have an ankle injury. You fractured your ankle. You had surgery on it. Let's say your injury is worth forty, fifty thousand dollars for pain, pain and, and suffering. But let's say you had a physical type job. You were earning forty thousand dollars a year. You've been three, four, five years out of work because of this. As an example, do the math. Right. Uh, just, do, just do the math. You, know, uh, you, you could easily be owed uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars for your income losses, but the pain and suffering component is only worth forty or 50000 So very, very important to understand that that calculator only deals with pain and suffering. If you want specific and a specific assessment of your case, of your individual case, uh, then at the end of the calculator, when you get the result... Just click on the button that says, you know, submit for a consultation, and mm-hmm. then it gets emailed to me. Nice. And then we, we have uh, a dialogue, and I ask you for some documentation, uh, and I'll tell you exactly what I think your case is worth if you were to pursue it. 
Email help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. James from Ottawa writes in, says, I've had respiratory issues, severe asthma in the past few months after an uh, incident at work, but my long-term disability insurer has denied my claim because they say that I've not given them enough medical support for my claim. I have two young kids and need my disability payments. My specialist told me to stay home for the next little while as I go through treatments. And he wrote the insurance company, but they won't budge. Not sure what to do. What do I do? Well, James, this is a classic, classic excuse that insurance companies use when they say that they don't have have enough medical support uh, to to support your claim for disability. And, you know, I'll say nine out of ten times when I see people coming to me with that denial letter, with that excuse from the insurance companies, and I look at a medical documentation, I scratch my head and I say, what else does the insurance company want? I mean, the doctor has already spelled out exactly what the disability is, uh, what the person cannot do, the prognosis, which generally is uncertain. They don't know if the person's going to be able to go back in a year, two years, five years. They're not sure. And the insurance company is just going around in circles, eventually denying the claim. And the person is left thinking, well, what else can I do? And my doctor has done everything. And, and, you know, sometimes the insurance companies will communicate directly with the doctors and the doctors will complain, well, we've given them all the information they need. I'm not sure what they want. That's what they say to me. Uh, and so, James, in your situation, what I would recommend you do is contact me off air uh, or go to mydisabilityquestions.com uh, and and communicate with me. Let me see the medical documents that you've submitted. Um, I just want some particulars. I want to know the type of job that you were doing before. I want to understand uh, the nature of your disability. And let me try and write the insurance company. Let, let, me, let me figure out if I can um, uh, force them to uh, put you on disability. And I'll give them a deadline, you know, the way we described at the For beginning sure. of the show. And if they say no, well, then you have the option of starting a claim. I'll happily do that for you. And I can almost guarantee you that if we have that medical support that you are mentioning in your email that that essentially says that you cannot go back to work at this time, they will resolve the case with you. It's just a matter of putting the screws to them and making sure that they understand that they have no recourse. So somebody who's disabled and on LTD, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're warned that eventually, fairly soon, your benefits are going to stop. Is uh, Do they wait until they get that final notice to contact you or do it now? No. No, they do not. And you know, let me give you uh, an analogy here. You, if, if, if you're crossing the street and, and you are seeing uh, a car coming uh, in your direction, John, do you just stop in the middle of the street and just wait for the car to hit you? Yeah, right. It makes no sense, right? Just keep walking. Well, in this case, don't keep walking. In this case, contact me. Let me try and avert the accident, this catastrophic moment in time when you finally realize that this cutoff is for real, that they are literally going to stop sending you checks and you're not going to have any money coming in to pay your mortgage, to pay your kids' activities, to pay for food, to pay for hydro, whatever. Uh, Very, very important. If you have an inkling, a sense, I'm not even saying what the insurance company is telling you, we're going to cut you off. If you even think that they're going to do that, contact me. Let me give you some suggestions on how to try and avoid that moment in time when it's going to come crashing down. You're going to realize, oh my God, I should have contacted Sivan and asked him, what can I do to try and avoid this? And I'm not saying, by the way, John, that I can always avoid it. What I'm saying is that I can try and help you avoid it. I can give you some tips and sometimes it works. And if they don't work and the insurance company takes that unfortunate step, you are prepared and we can fight back fast. 
416-216-5910 is that number. Keep it on you big time. And the email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to another email after we take a wee break here on the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio, AM640. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is that email. Sean from Whitby wrote in today, says, uh, my wife has been on LTD for over a year and recently her insurance adjuster has started asking her, why she can't go back to work? She's a dental hygienist and has uh, severe arthritis. A rheumatoidologist says she uh, hasn't, she can't work, but the adjuster is pushing us and keeps saying that she should try to go back, try to go back. She's nervous. Uh, she's a wreck, nervous wreck because of all this. Will it help if you speak with the adjuster? Uh, it may, um, but I'll tell you this. I, I generally try to avoid speaking with the adjusters when we're having this kind of a contentious relationship. I like things in writing, and I would recommend to people out there, if they are dealing themselves with adjusters and they want to try and deal with adjusters themselves, try and uh, keep the communications uh, to to writing because then no one can dispute right. that you said that and they said this, right? We, we don't want a situation of he said, she said. Uh, so that's that's one tip. Uh, but, but I'll tell you this, Sean, this is not unusual, uh, particularly in disability cases. I see a lot of people in extremely stressful circumstances, uh, and they don't know what to do, and they get extremely anxious. And that, of course, seeps into the marriage, uh, not to mention how it affects the children when there are children involved. Uh, so, you know, one way to alleviate that is to simply get me involved. Let me deal with the adjuster. You're not going to get any more calls or emails or letters from the insurance company. It's all going to get funneled through me. And so I can call you or tell you what I need and update you on, on, on your case. But, you know, that's one way to deal with it. Another way to deal with it, Sean, is... Uh, you know, for you guys to simply not do anything, which is what we talked about before, mm-hmm. right? You don't do anything, it's it's going to be like a train crash, a uh, car crash. I mean, it's going to come coming down. And by the way, it's not going to go away. If the adjuster or the insurance company uh, gets a whiff of the fact that this is putting tremendous stress on you, depending on the adjuster, of course, well, they may think that they're winning, that, uh, you know, it's inevitable for you to simply back off at some point. And once they deny your claim or cut you off uh, or, or keep pressuring you to try and go back to work, they think they're going to be able to get you out of their system. They, they think they're going to be able to, to you know, just get you out of the, the LTD uh, framework, which means they're going to save money. So the way to fight back is to have me deal with them directly. How about if you're not even in the system? For instance, you, you apply, you're denied off the, uh, you know, off the start. Is there a way you can check to verify that you're not qualified? Yeah, I mean, the two questions, we spoke about that before, the two questions really you should be asking yourself are, uh, were you covered for LTD, for long-term disability, when your disability arose? Right. If you weren't covered for it, it's just a car insurance, right? You can't access car insurance uh, unless you paid into it. And you know when the accident happened, you had car insurance. If your disability arose when you had LTD coverage, that's the first point of analysis. It means that that coverage is accessible. You have that accessibility. The next question is, do you qualify? And you know, to, to answer that question, we have to look at a medical documentation. We have to figure out if you have a doctor or a treatment practitioner that's dealing with you, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, someone who's going to say mm-hmm. in writing, yes, this person is disabled for the following reasons, and here's my prognosis. They're not going to be able to go to work for the foreseeable future, or they haven't been able to go back to work uh, for the last few years, wh- whatever the situation is. So those two questions are important. But I'll tell you this, if you have any questions about these kinds of issues, if you were denied off the bat and you had coverage and you had the medical support, 
don't scratch your head, don't wait around, don't you know be like an ostrich and stick your your your, your head in the in, in the sand. Just call me or email me. I'm telling you, within a few minutes, I can tell you if you have a case or not. And again, I'm not going to press you to do anything with it. You choose what you want to do with that information. If you want to pursue the claim, the money that's owed to you, again, owed, owed to you, yeah. uh, that's up to you. If you don't want to, that's up to you as well. You ever had a case where the disabled person ended up getting more than they, they, they thought they would after they hired you? <laughs> like a little bonus, if you would? So that's interesting. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to answer that question in two ways. Number one, in some instances, the insurance company has acted maliciously. Uh, those are rare situations. I know that every person out there that's been dealing with insurance will say, yeah, my adjuster, my insurer was malicious. Right. Uh, they just acted in a very, in a bad faith way. Well, bad faith in Canada uh, is a legal term of art. And, you know, to prove that, it takes a lot. You really have to show that there was maliciousness. Okay. You can just allege that. Um, but in the, case, in, the, you know, in, in the event that you can't prove that, then, then there's going to be potentially punitive damages that flow out of the claim okay. or aggravated damages. So that's above and beyond what's owed to you. That's to punish the insurance company. But what's more common, and this is interesting, is that oftentimes I will assess the value of the claim for my client as X and we will end up resolving the case for X plus Y, meaning for more than what I think we could eventually get if we went to court. And why does that happen? Because sometimes uh, the insurance companies uh, is interested in resolving the dispute much sooner so they don't have to pay their lawyers for the long haul. So they'll pay you what's owed to you, recognize that they should have done that at the beginning, and they'll even put a cherry on top and pay you a bit more just to go away now. Uh, And, you know, listen, John, oftentimes it's a function of the fact that we know what we're doing. And this is karma as well. Remember I told you, when I used to do defense and worked for insurance companies, I would oftentimes be against lawyers on the other side representing disabled and injured people who didn't really know what they were doing or didn't care, Mm -hmm. right? And insurance companies know. They understand who's on the other side. They know if they can get a good deal. So, you know, one case comes to mind with a shoulder injury. I remember settling it. This was years and years ago for $50,000, and the true value of the claim was probably 150000 wow. The plaintiff, the claimant, I wasn't representing them. I was representing the insurance company. The claimant never knew that they got essentially one-third of what they should have. Jeez. Uh, but by the same token, now when I represent individuals, it does happen, and it happens uh, more frequently than I expect sometimes uh, that I get for my clients more than what I think their claim actually would assess at at the end, which is great. So that's karma. And, uh, you know, no tears are shed here because insurance companies get deals all the time uh, and, and, you know, save all this money when they should be paying this money out. So if my clients get more money than under the law they deserve, I'm fine with that too. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to an email here. And more of the show, the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's coming right up. Talk Radio, AM 640. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We get to an email. Len's been uh, been waiting here. Len from Kitchener says, my brother-in-law is suffering from severe depression. He's been receiving long-term disability for almost two years. He's a carpenter by trade, but most of the time he doesn't go outside the house. He's on heavy medications. His insurance company says that he'll be... Cut off in January, and it's making his condition worse because he won't have money to come in or have money coming in. Uh, can you help with that? 
Yes, uh, Len, I can definitely help with that. And you know what? I just want to take uh, a moment and say thank you to you for contacting me on behalf of your brother-in-law. And that's something that I, I get quite a lot, people contacting me on behalf of family members and friends, people who either haven't heard the program, don't know of me. Or not uh, able. Or, or are not able, yeah. exactly, because they're paralyzed with whatever is happening in, in their situation. Uh, so, Len, 100%, and the fact that he's getting cut off in January I would like you to contact me or, or for us to get in touch with each other after the show so that I can get the documentation I need immediately. And as soon as I get them, the same day, I guarantee you I'm going to send an email to the adjuster and I'm going to put it in very stark terms to the insurance company, to the adjuster, that if they in fact go ahead with the cutoff, despite what you just told me here and, and what I assume to be in the medical documentation uh, that we're going to be uh, right. you know, seeing, uh, then the insurance company is going to get a claim just the next day, right after they cut them off. And we're going to move the claim very, very fast through the system. Uh, and John, this is just something that we see day in and day out, where people who are in dire situations just get re-victimized over and over and over. So not only can they not deal with their own situation, whether it's physical or, or mental, psychological, emotional, but at the same time, they have to fight this insurance company that's making the situation worse. Uh, so, yeah, Len, to answer your question, I can definitely, definitely help here. What should you tell your employer if you're, uh, you know, slip and fall one day going to work? Have you been injured in a car accident? What do you, how, do you, how do you approach your employer? Well, that's, impor- that's an important question because some people are either embarrassed to tell their employer right. that they've been injured uh, or they are, they're afraid there are going to be repercussions, they're going to be replaced, something's going to happen. Remember, uh, a lot of our lawyers at the firm do employment law. Employers can't just fire you, okay? That's, that's, that's a big, big no-no. That's a human rights violation if they fire you when you're di- disabled, essentially. Uh, but it's very important that your employer is notified of the injury if it's going to affect your ability to work uh, for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is that you want to make sure that uh, you keep communications clear with the employer yeah. so that the employer is not going to come back and say, well, you never told me this or you never gave me a medical note, so how was I supposed to know that I needed to accommodate you or give you time off? From the legal standpoint, from my end, when I represent somebody who's injured and they have difficulties at work after, after the injury, uh, very, very important when we end up uh, communicating with the employer that the employer has a documented that the person told the employer about the accident. Because if they didn't, then the insurance company is going to be suspect of why it is that the employer was never notified if the injury was in fact this severe that it's impacted this person's ability to work, right? right? So very, very important to make sure that when you are injured, if that happens, uh, that you tell the employer, look, I've been injured, here's what happened. If there's an HR department, provide a note, uh, email them, right? Written communications is the best, it's evidence. Uh, And if you have a medical note that supports it, right, from your family doctor, from the ER physician, uh, walk-in clinic, make sure you provide that to the employer as well. That's gonna go in your file. And later down the road, when the insurance company is going to look at that file, they're going to see that you notified the employer of the injury. And they're going to take from that that the, the injury clearly was serious because it was serious enough for you to go to your employer to tell right. them you're injured. So very, very important to notify your employer and, 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 and do it in a very objective manner and, and provide them with the medical information that they need to accommodate you. What happens to your case if you go back to work? Well, if you go back to work, it depends. If you go back to work full-time or part-time, so if you are a full-time employee and now you've gone back full-time employment, well, then you can imagine the insurance company is going to say your injuries cannot be that severe if you can do all of your duties from before, even if you're doing them with pain. Uh, 
That's not to say they're not going to compensate you for the fact that you're working with pain, but it means it's going to impact your ability to claim a potential loss for the the uh, inability to work the way you did before the accident. Right. But let's say that you worked full-time and now you've been able to return part-time. Well, can you claim the difference? Yes, you can. Again, it depends on each case. Yes, you can. What if you worked several jobs and you were only able to go back to one job? Again, that difference, that delta between whatever your income was before the accident and what it is now, that's going to come into play when we talk about possible resolution with the insurance company. Another uh, fantastic, informative show, man. Anytime you need more information outside of show hours, very simple to get. You can simply email help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. There's also the phone number, 416-216-5910. And wondering what your pain and suffering could be worth if you're in a slip and fall or a car crash, it is Injury Calculator. Dot ca as well. Till next time, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640.